Welcome to the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast, where we talk about the clinical and practical issues that face those working in the mental health industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health. My name is Erin Mullen O'Bailey. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Cognitive Behavior Institute, and my co-host, Dr. Kevin Caridad, who is the CEO and owner at Cognitive Behavior Institute. Uh, thanks so much for being here with us this week. Uh, we are joined by our guest, Tatiana Frost, and this week we are here to chat about what it's like living with bipolar disorder. Uh, Tatiana Frost is a mental health advocate and writer. She runs an Instagram account at Having Bipolar, and that really revolves around mental health and bipolar disorder awareness, education, and community. So Tatiana, thanks so much for being here with us today. Um, we're really excited to meet you and, and talk a little bit about bipolar. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with y'all. Can you start, let's start the conversation by um, just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and then, you know, what, what led you to believe that, you know, you may have a mental health disorder? Yeah, so I think I always kind of struggled with depression. I've kept a diary of my whole life, and I have a diary entry from when I was like 10, kind of talking about feeling like nobody loved me and feeling unwanted. And a lot of those feelings came from being adopted as a child. And so I really struggled ever since I was young with these feelings of I'm not good enough. Why didn't my birth family want me, you know, always struggling with that internal conflict. And then around probably 13, I started to have what I recognized first is like depression. Um, and I think that kind of happened just because a lot happens when you're 13, being 13 is hard. And so that's when I started noticing I was definitely feeling a lot of low moods and not really having anyone to talk to about it or even having the skills. So I just kind of let them happen, I suppose, because I didn't know what else to do. And then around 16, 17, I started experiencing manic episodes for the first time. I didn't know what they were. I just kind of knew that one day I'd feel normal and then the next day I would have all this energy and it would go for a while and then I would just crash and everything would come down and I didn't really know why or what was happening I just knew it was exhausting and scary and I didn't have any control over it um and I didn't come from a family where we really talked about mental health um I know you know my parents don't struggle with mental health issues and I didn't really know anybody in my inner circle who did. And so I felt really alone as I was kind of navigating what was happening. And eventually, you know, of course, I looked it up on the internet. You have to. It's just, it's just what you do. Everybody does it. You shouldn't do it. But I mean, we all play a little Dr. Google. And I definitely identified with bipolar disorder and even borderline a little bit because a lot of those symptoms do overlap. And I mean, I, I didn't know how to talk to my parents about it. So I kind of just decided to figure it out myself. So the first time I went and saw somebody about it, um, I went to like this mental health center right down the street from me and I made an appointment. I took the time off from whatever I was doing that day. And I went in and I was seven. How, how old were you? How old were you for when you made your first appointment? I was 17. Okay. Um, 
And so I went in and they're, they want my insurance card and all this stuff that I don't have. And I was just like, oh crap. Oh no. Oh no. I really, I really needed someone to talk to who wasn't a parent because I didn't really feel like I had that relationship with my parents at the time. So I didn't get to be evaluated, but I was really distraught, distraught. And so they let me speak with a nurse who was on staff. And we probably spoke for like 15 minutes, but I just broke down because I was so scared because I had no idea what was going on and no real reference point either. I can only imagine. I mean, it sounds like, you know, from the very start, kind of not understanding kind of the situation where you were with your adoptive parents, I'm assuming, and not with your biological parents, if I heard correctly. Yeah. Kind of going through all these, uh, you know, these biologic symptoms coming out. And not knowing yeah. how to handle it, not feeling like you can have somewhere and get that support and kind of culminate to this reaching out for help and then kind of not be able to get it in that moment. Yeah. So the nurse basically told me everything I kind of didn't want to hear. She said, go on meds and start therapy. And so I instantly thought, oh, God, I, there's something wrong. That means I'm broken. That means something is wrong with me. She just confirmed it. And so that really that sat with me for a few weeks, kind of just like, oh, crap, this means this might be a real thing. So eventually I did tell my parents, I told my mom first and I didn't really get the response I was looking for. She kind of was just like, well, you know, I think you're lonely and, you know, maybe you just need to socialize more and, you know, you're not bipolar. You're, you know, that's a real disorder. She said, she said, you're not bipolar. That's a real disorder. And that was really defeating because I reached out for help. I asked her, you know, I'd love to start therapy. And the response was kind of like, you're okay. You're just lonely. You'll be fine. And so I was like, all right. So the next thing I did was I reached out to my aunt, who's a therapist. And I said, Hey, I know I need to speak to someone professionally. I don't know how to do that though. So I ended up reaching out to somebody locally, a therapist. Um, we talked on the phone, we figured out how to make it work. And she said, all you have to do, just get your parents to sign the paperwork and we can get started. And I thought, great, a signature. I can get a signature, but I couldn't. Um, the paperwork sat on the counter for like three weeks until eventually I had a really, really bad day at school. And I saw the guidance counselor and I kind of just told her everything. I told her I had been sneaking pills from my parents um, and keeping them with me just in case I, a bad habit of mine, as I developed these issues and kind of sunk more down into, into the hole was I would go in the house and I'd check out all the meds that we had. I would look them up, see what combination of meds were, I guess, the most effective for harming myself. And I would just keep track of it. And I would know, you know, how much of this I need or a combination of this and that. Um, Sounds like you're so, really struggling, really hard time. Yeah, it was, it just, it was tough because I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what, and I wasn't getting the support that I needed to really, you know, navigate through it. Um, eventually, you know, I got to see a therapist, my school counselor sent me up with one and I saw her for about a year and it was going fine, but it was, you know, it was talk therapy and we, my therapist and I at the time really danced around the word bipolar because I think it was. It got to a point where everybody kind of knew, but it wasn't officially diagnosed and I wasn't comfortable with it like at all. I wouldn't say bipolar. I was really uncomfortable with it because when I thought of a possible diagnosis of a mental health disorder, I instantly thought, oh my 
my plan, the life that I planned for myself is going to go completely down the drain because this wasn't supposed to happen. I wasn't supposed to be struggling. I wasn't supposed to be in therapy. None of this was supposed to happen. I was supposed to finish school, go to college, not have to worry about any of this. Um, and then well, it sounds like some of that kind of uh, stigma that comes along with mental health is kind yeah. of the functional change that potentially could happen with that or the meaning of it. It's happening, but you know, sometimes we don't want to look at it. And that was yeah. kind of a big struggle you were having. It's kind of, you can't look the other way anymore and kind of having to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. And eventually I did end up hospitalized um, the summer before my senior year. I drove myself to the emergency room because although I was in talk therapy, I, I knew that I wasn't getting better. You know, I was kind of just going every week, telling her what happened, but not, it wasn't fixing any of the stuff going on outside of therapy. And so I drove myself to the hospital because I knew I was in danger of myself and I knew that I wouldn't be safe at home. And I knew that I didn't feel comfortable talking to my family at the time. And so I drove myself there. My mom was out of town. So my dad was the one who came to like to the emergency room because I was still a minor. So I needed to tell someone, but I hadn't told anyone beforehand that I was going. I kind of just went um, because I didn't really want to deal with the conflict of having that conversation of, oh, you don't really need to go, you're okay, versus no, I, I know myself, I know that I need this additional support. And at the end of my hospital stay, I was officially diagnosed bipolar type one. So that's kind of where I got. I, I was hospitalized short again, about a year after that. Um, I usually, November, oddly enough, is like my worst time of the year. I tend to have a really difficult time with my episodes during that. And my mom even mentioned that at one point, she said, we were um, in one of the treatment facilities and they were asking about my history and, you know, when my episodes happen more, if there's any patterns. And my mom said, oh, you know what? Around November, it, you know, you tend to get bad, which makes sense because, you know, a lot of people struggle with seasonal issues as well. Feeling like, you know, once it gets dark, it just all goes down the train, you know. So I could see kind of your life experiences and kind of all the difficulties wanting to help others. Can you tell us about uh, your social media and what you're doing and kind of uh, all that goes into that and how that's helpful? Yeah, I started the social media account over a year ago. Kind of, I was going through a really tough personal time. I had recently moved out of my parents' house because we were having a really big conflict and I needed some sort of outlet to build a community and to find people who are, you know, kind of going through the same experience as I was, because I didn't have anybody in my family, or I didn't have any friends. Um, and the few friends that I had told, some responses were like, oh, yeah, I have, I'm moody too. And then other responses were like, don't really know what that is, but that's fine. Um, and I started the social media account kind of just for fun in the beginning. I didn't really expect to do anything with it. I just thought I would do it for fun and see what happened. And then it kind of grew into this beautiful community. And I started reaching out to other people and collaborating with them and sharing my experiences. And it really just grew into something beautiful. And I'm so grateful for it now. And how many, uh, how many followers do you currently have on your Instagram? So I just relaunched. I took about a month off. Um, I started a year ago, but then a couple months ago, I decided I hated everything and that it was ugly. So I was like, I'm restarting. Um, and so I restarted my account. I have about 4,000 now. Um, and so I'm just slowly growing, but I, now that I've restarted and rebranded and I have like a theme and everything's pretty, um, I'm doing really well and things are just growing and getting bigger. And I'm 
grateful for it. And I recently did a post getting to know the community. And I mean, the amount of people who follow me who are from, I had some person from Indonesia and, and other people from Spain. And it was so cool because we all kind of shared our diagnosis, shared something we're struggling with, and it really brought everybody together. So it deals with that sense of isolation. Social media, if I hear you particularly with uh, at having bipolar, is really about bringing individuals that are having maybe similar struggles so they don't feel alone and kind of have yeah. that community that maybe uh, is so helpful that you were so much seeking. Yeah, it really is. And I have people more commonly than not, I have people message me who are loved ones of those who have bipolar mm -hmm. disorder asking questions, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and so I know that my community is a combination of both people who have bipolar disorder and then other people who are just looking to educate themselves on it, either for a loved one, a family friend, um, or maybe they think they might have bipolar disorder and they're kind of trying to learn more about what that means to them and how maybe they can uh, keep track of what's happening. I always recommend something that really helped me in the beginning was journaling my moods. There's so many apps to do that. And then I always, I really advocate for a care plan for when you're having episodes. So typically you have, at least for me, and you can do this, I think, for basically any disorder you want, but I have two columns aside for mania and aside for depression. And then under those, I kind of just list any coping skills that could be helpful. Um, ideally, they're preventative. So it's not while you're having a manic episode, it's for before kind of those looking out for those warning signs and targeting those um, as soon as you see them rather than in the middle of a manic episode and then trying to backtrack because that's so much harder um, than getting to know yourself figuring out what triggers you like for me my biggest trigger is stress which you just can't avoid um you just have to learn how to manage and deal with and so making a care plan is something that I talk a lot about on my social media page because I know it's been really helpful for me and for other people and it can be great for you know you give it to a family member or friends or your partner and then they just have an instant kind of rule book of okay what do I do when you're struggling how can I help you because sometimes you know, you can't help yourself. No, you make an excellent point there. And I think um, you had mentioned that, you know, family members of who have loved ones with bipolar as well as yeah. um, individuals with bipolar are following you on social media. So can you just share your uh, social media on Instagram, your handle one more time for our audience uh, so that if anyone would like to check it out, they can do so? Yeah, my social media is at having bipolar, all one word. Okay. On Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing a little bit about your uh, struggle. And it sounds like you have some, uh, you've made some advances, I'll say, in your, in your journey to wellness. So we wish you all the best and thanks so much for taking the time to educate us. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. And thanks so much to our listeners for tuning in to The Barrier Breakdown. We hope y'all stay safe and healthy. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Barrier Breakdown, Disrupting Mental Health Podcast. Check out our website at cbicenterforeducation.com for more information and to learn about upcoming continuing education events.